Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. Would you go to Mars? I wouldn't. I have been to Arizona. Nice place. That's about as close as I want to get to Mars. And NASA is telling us in five years we're going to be on the moon. And that is our stepping stone to Mars. Elon Musk is even more ambitious. He says that he thinks that he can get people on Mars in five years. So, I don't know who these folks are who are choosing to go to Mars. Because I'm not sure if they're telling people, hey, if you do this, we're going to be able to bring you back someday. Because, (laughs) bullshit. I don't care what they tell you. It is hard enough to just get off of this planet. You're, I mean, if you make it to Mars alive, then uh, can you imagine being there? It's just you and your, your five buddies, and there's nothing but dirt. And there, there ain't no NASA there to help you get back, to blast off and come back. No, you're going to be there to stay. And, uh, in fact, a few years ago, Lauren and I were at the Johnson Space Center down in Houston. You know, she's from outside Houston. And they actually showed us one of the vehicles they were working on to get people to Mars, about the size of a minivan. They said five or six people would be stuffed in this thing, and it would take them about six months to make it from here to Mars. Then you get on Mars, and you have to survive. If you don't realize this, on Mars, the temperature can get as low as negative 225 degrees Fahrenheit. Negative 225 degrees Fahrenheit. And the high is 95 degrees Fahrenheit. So the high is not that bad, but negative 225, yeah, that's pretty cold. The atmosphere there is 95% carbon dioxide. And uh, so they have this scientist here uh, at space.com. He is at the Ames Research Center named Pascal Lee. He says, we need oxygen to breathe. There's no free oxygen in the Martian atmosphere. You cannot breathe this gas. You would die of hypoxia within minutes. But also consider this. The atmosphere on Earth, or excuse me, the atmosphere on Mars is so thin, it's about 100 times thinner than Earth's. So it'd almost be like stepping into a vacuum for a human. So the scientist says, quote, if you are unprotected on Mars, your blood would boil, even at ambient temperature. All the gases that are dissolved in your bloodstream would just turn into bubbles. Like popping a can of Coke, you would fizz to death. And that's within seconds. As if that's not enough, they say all the dust blowing around on Mars is toxic. So you're not going to be able to breathe that in as well. Um, So just imagine now. You, you cram into this little claustrophobic thing. They shoot you off 
for six months or however long, if you're lucky and you land safely, you've got to figure out how to survive. But the rest of your life, you're always going to be looking through a window. Whether it's the window in your helmet when you go bouncing around outside, or it's the window in your your house, well, your little dome that you live in, you never again get to truly connect with Mother Nature. You live in a cramped, artificial environment the rest of your life. And that's if you're lucky. That's if you're lucky. There is no hope for you. you know. You're, okay, even if somehow technology advances, and sure enough, in your lifetime, you do get to return to Earth. Think about how long into the future you know how far into the future that would be how long you would have to stay there before that became technologically possible to turn around and get you off of mars back to earth uh so uh, you know it, it must be actually kind of easy to find people who are agreeing to do this because there are a lot of stupid people on this planet and look i you know i love the idea of innovation and exploration and discovery but you've got to have something wrong with you to want to do this. I can just imagine that there's some, like, like of all the people out there who are putting in an application, there are probably a lot of them, like, some guy who's just some jackass who's like, yeah, that sounds cool, man. I want to go to Mars, you know. So he fills out his application, sends it in, not expecting to hear anything. One day, boom, phone call from NASA. Letter from NASA. You know, sir, we think you might have the right stuff. Come on down here to Houston or come on down here to Florida or whatever. And you've made it into the program. Lucky you. So the guy says, I can't believe this. Wow, NASA really thinks I'm special. So guy goes to NASA. They say, well, we have to test everybody else. Uh, along with you here, you know, all the candidates, everybody gets tested, go through exercises. we got to find the best possible people in the world for this mission. Oh, absolutely. Sign me up, NASA. Go there. They spin you around. They swirl you around. You know all the stuff they do. Finally, you come and sit down in the boardroom, and they say, Congratulations! You are one of the finest. You won! We are now going to shoot your ass off into outer space forever and never see you again. <laughs> Just sign that dotted line. Guy sitting there thinking, uh, well, that's great. I won. But uh, did I just get brainwashed by the government? <laughs> no, son. Pat him on the back. Get your ass in that can. Fire you off. Never see you again. Hopefully we get a transmission from you. So, look, I, I have serious doubts about the process that you would go through to find human beings that are crazy enough to do this and yet sane and intelligent enough to actually pull off this mission, technically. I mean, at least when we went to the moon, you know, they, they said, we're planning on bringing you back. If, if you ever saw the movie First Man, uh, you know, that that's a, a big part of it. When his family is saying, are you, are you going to come back? And 
Neil Armstrong saying, look, we have every intention of coming back. But imagine if you knew that that just, you know, that wasn't in the cards. That's a whole different kind of mindset right there to do that. How do you find that type of person who's just the right person? Is there such a thing as the right person? Somebody who is wise enough and intelligent enough and tough enough to pull this off, but sane enough to want to do it? This is going to be interesting to see how this plays out, isn't it? So, and then, you know, there's there always is this situation, the scenario where, like, let's say you send five or six people up there, and they get there. Humans being humans, it's a matter of time before one guy just kills everybody else and says, <laughs> I am now the king of Mars. What are we going to do about it? Oh, geez, this is a horrific tragedy. We've now created this warlord who is in charge of Mars. He has a whole planet to himself. This gets weirder when you start thinking about it. Let me share this with you. This is an interesting little news story. I think you'll appreciate it. This is from uh, Futurism.com. Just published hours ago. This is what an evolutionary biologist has to say. Mars colonists will mutate really fast. Mars colonists will mutate really fast. And uh, says, despite the resources being funneled into technology to transport us to the red planet, we don't yet understand the evolutionary implications the move will have on the human body. In a new interview, evolutionary biologist and Rice University professor Scott Solomon says it's worth asking what will happen to Mars colonists in the long run as mutations start to cascade through the gene pool. He said, I don't think there's been nearly as much discussion about what would become of the people that are living in these colonies generations later. So he said that um, after about two generations, he thinks their bones will strengthen. They'll need glasses for, for nearsightedness. Their immune systems will be null. Pregnancy and childbirth will be more perilous. The exposure to radiation more than 5,000 times the amount we're exposed to on Earth during a normal lifetime could lead to an influx of cancer. So he says that, look, however this turns out, the Martians, these people we're sending up there who become the colonizers of Mars, the Martians should stop reproducing with Earth humans. Um, so then he goes on to say, contact with Earthlings could be deadly for Martians and vice versa. Nobody knows. He says all mutation isn't bad. Uh, let's see, every new baby on Earth is born with 60 new mutations. But that's a number that Solomon says will jump to the thousands on Mars. By mutating, humans on Mars would gain critical life-saving benefits to cope with the brutal planet. They'd get a different skin tone to protect them from radiation. They'd have less reliance on oxygen to adapt to the thin atmosphere. 
denser bones to counteract calcium loss during pregnancy. And uh, he says, quote, if we eventually come to inhabit multiple worlds scattered across the uh, galaxy over time, we may see the evolution of a plethora of new human species. We should recognize that there could be unintended consequences for our descendants many generations from now. Oh, great. So now, okay, first off, do you think that it's possible that that's why we have aliens out there? That maybe we are related to these aliens and maybe these aliens that we encounter were even originally earthlings. Earthlings that got taken into space thousands of years ago. I mean, think if if humans have been, you know, abducted by something, the gods, going back thousands of years, chariots of the gods, maybe some of these humans were taken somewhere else, evolved differently, and are coming back to their home planet. And that's what a lot of these beings are that we encounter that we think of as aliens. Regardless, this, you know, helps us to think realistically about how this same kind of process would work and propagate all throughout creation regardless of where it started you know how you would end up with different types of species so now i mean now i know what they're saying here like okay well maybe these martians you know they're they're gonna have strengths and weaknesses just like earthlings have strengths and weaknesses but we shouldn't let them screw each other because if two of them get together whoo we have some kind of Superman here. Maybe. You heard what they said about the bones. Strong, dense bones. Ability to withstand radiation. What if... Okay, just imagine this. What if we send a group of people to Mars? One guy kills all the rest. Ha ha ha! King of Mars. He starts to mutate in his own lifetime... And one of the mutations is longevity. Because actually, on Mars, the seasons are different. It says the lengths of the Martian seasons are about twice those of Earth's because Mars' greater distance from the sun leads to the Martian year being about two Earth years long. Okay. So, let's say somehow this dude starts living long. He, he starts mutating he gets to the point to where he is stronger. He has powers that we don't understand. He gains the ability to asexually reproduce. He's popping out Martians like Mogwais or popping out gremlins. Next thing you know, we have this huge planet full of superhuman Martians under the overlord and then what does he do he turns around and sends them back to earth to conquer earth now does that not seem like an entirely logical common sense likely scenario to you does anybody if anybody out there knows the people at marvel they need to call me i've got i I know they just did their big finish to the Avengers and all that but I we could continue the saga 
I have a story to sell to Marvel now, I think. I don't know, folks. There are a lot of different ways this this can go. There's no way we're going to be able to predict all the variables. But this is interesting, isn't it? When you really start thinking about the reality of this. Again, it's like you know, going to the moon is like I'm going to take a long vacation and come back. This is a different ballgame. This is basically like dying. Saying, I am going to sacrifice this life to go off to this new place, which I know is going to suck really bad compared to this place. Earth is pretty darn cool, isn't it? You've got everything you could really want here. You know, I tell people, if you don't recognize how great that our planet is and how wonderful life is, I would like you to just sit down with a piece of paper and a pen and you write for me a description of a place that's cooler than Earth. That, that's, that, I mean, what would it be? It's a planet made of cotton candy with unicorns flying around and marshmallows rain from the sky. I mean, like, but even then, you're basing your description on things that come from Earth. Cotton candy, marshmallows, unicorns are actually just horses with horns. And those are two things that both exist. So even if you try to create your own vision of a perfect planet that's somehow better than Earth, all you're probably really going to be doing is rearranging the things that you already find on Earth. We've got a pretty amazing place here. And I mean, maybe you're stuck in some, you know, crappy apartment or some, you know, place where you're not happy, but out there on the planet, you know, if you if you get out and you explore, there are things that are mind-bogglingly beautiful. I mean, the colors that come from the water in the Caribbean that you can't ever capture on film. The way a sunset or a sunrise looks. Um, I mean, like, you know, I could go on and uh, I, I could make some jokes, but I'm, I'm not going to go there. Look, we have a pretty good setup here. So you're going to basically say I'm sort of committing suicide in a way to leave this behind forever and go off to Mars. Me, I'm happy. You know, I'm in my 40s right now, and I I feel like I'm going to enjoy life, and I also am enjoying the comforts of life. Um, I just got an invitation maybe about a week ago for an all-expense-paid trip, plus pay on top of that, to go to the Middle East and do research inside of a very ancient sacred building with restricted access. And I said, you know, that sounds fantastic. That sounds uh, amazing. And I'm sure that would be a hell of an adventure. But right now I'm okay here just hanging out in Las Vegas. You know, I'm, I, I'm comfy here. I have, I've done my share of traveling to interesting and amazing countries. I've seen incredible things. I've climbed on top of pyramids. I've explored castles. I've snorkeled and scuba dove and all these, you know. I, I've, I've done enough in other countries that I, I kind of feel like, for now, I'm really happy being here in the good old U.S. of A. And, um, you know, I, I love being in Asheville, North Carolina, 
where I have all my friends and family and scenic views and there's plenty of beer and music and good times. And then here in Las Vegas, you get all the splashiness, the entertainment, the sensationalism, the 24-hour kind of madness. I think I'm good being here right now. I, uh, I definitely am not a candidate to go to Mars. I'm not even sure if I would go into space. Um, and I think that's mainly because that, I, you know, I, I feel kind of claustrophobic. I don't like being in little cramped spaces. You know, I, I'm not like completely OCD. I, I can get on an elevator, but I don't really like getting on an elevator, to be honest with you. So I don't think I, you know, I'm the right kind of guy to go into outer space. If you're on a luxury yacht that travels into outer space, maybe I would consider it at that point, but I don't know. But yeah, here in Las Vegas, speaking of which, I have been doing a lot of interesting research because, you know, I am the creator of the Creepy Vegas Ghost and UFO Show, which is 60 fun paranormal minutes in a bar. As of right now, we're doing them every Saturday, and um, at least for a limited time. I'm not sure how our schedule is going to change. Um, Of course, creepyvegas.com is our website. And in doing research, I found an audio recording that I thought, man, I, I should play this for you. Have you ever actually heard the sound of Harry Houdini's voice? A real recording of Harry Houdini. Um, I, I, I was looking at different sorts of audio that I could maybe incorporate into the, the Creepy Vegas show. By the way... Um, I made a commercial, a 15-second radio ad that is playing on the radio around the Las Vegas area when Coast to Coast AM is on the air. 15 seconds. And I made this 15-second ad right here in my own little studio. And, you know, I have a, a theremin right here in front of me which, of course, if you're not familiar, the theremin is the only real instrument, musical instrument that you play without any physical contact. It's an electronic instrument. It's got an antenna. You wave your hands around it, and you create that kind of effect that you probably heard in some of the old like sci-fi B-movies in the 1950s. So I actually sat down, and I played the theremin just a little bit, and recorded my voiceover and sent it. You want to hear it? It's only 15 seconds long. I'll let you hear it. Uh, here is my 15-second ad. With I'm playing the theremin here for CreepyVegas.com. Listen. I'm Joshua P. Warren, creator of the Creepy Vegas Ghost and UFO Show. 60 paranormal minutes in a bar. We sell out fast, and you can only buy tickets at CreepyVegas.com. That's CreepyVegas.com. So I was pretty happy that I was able to knock that out right here in my own little studio. And hey, I guess maybe if you want me to do some kind of little ad or voiceover for you, if you have some kind of a radio campaign or you need some narration for a movie, I love doing that kind of stuff. I, I Just email me, contact at joshuapwarren.com, and maybe I can do something for you. I will lend this majestic voice to your project. So I'm very excited that that's playing, and of course we have a lot of people who come to see the show who listen to Coast to Coast AM, which is why I'm running that ad. But in the 
in the midst of doing research for Creepy Vegas, I came across this audio, and, and, and it's possible that I have heard this audio before. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. But, you know, Harry Houdini, he was, he, was a, he was an innovator in many ways. He was always looking for the latest technology that he could incorporate into his show and make it as big and cool as it could be for his time. And I know he crossed paths with Thomas Edison and some of the other leading scientists and inventors and innovators of his day. As a matter of fact, if you go to the Grove Park Inn Resort and Spa in Asheville, North Carolina, they have a gallery that shows all the famous people who used to hang out there. And you've got people like Thomas Edison and Henry Ford and Harry Houdini all, you know, there during the same period of of time. So Edison of course, invented the phonograph, the first device that could record sound. And originally, sound was recorded on these wax cylinders. I have some original Edison cylinders myself. They're maybe six, eight inches long, uh, a few inches in diameter. And so basically, they would spin as the needle would run along them. And the needle was more or less hooked to a funnel. And you would speak into the funnel, and the funnel would make the needle vibrate and move up and down and create grooves in the wax cylinder that corresponded to the vibration coming in. So all you have to do is reverse that process, and now the sound comes out of the funnel, the horn. I don't know if that made sense or not, but nonetheless, he was the first guy to record sounds. And so some Edison technicians got together and apparently recorded... Harry Houdini's actual voice in 1914. Harry Houdini was 40 years old at the time, and he was in New York. This was actually recorded on October the 29th of 1914. And Houdini stood up and was giving the audience an introduction to his famous water torture trick. And so that's what they decided to record. So I'm going to play this for you. This is maybe 60 to 90 seconds, something like that. This is the actual recording of the Harry Houdini from 1914 introducing his famous water torture trick. How cool is this? Listen. Ladies and gentlemen, I take great pleasure in introducing my latest Invention, the water torture cell. Although there is nothing supernatural about it, I am willing to pocket the sum of $1,000 to anyone who can prove that it is possible to obtain air inside of the torture cell when I'm locked up in it, in the regulation manner, after it has been filled with water. Should anything go wrong when I'm locked up, one of my assistants walks to the curtain, ready to rub in, demolishing the glass, allowing the water to flow out, in order to save my life. Harry Houdini, 
October the 29th, 1914, New York. There you have it, the real voice of Houdini back from the grave. And it's interesting to note, I told you that was recorded in New York on October 29th of 1914. He died on October 31st of 1926 when he was 52 years old. So I just thought that was kind of interesting that, you know, we have that Halloween timeline around both of these. And so, uh, yeah, of course, uh, very tragic how he died. It's one of those things where you probably remember he, he he had a routine where he'd tighten up his abdomen and let people punch him, and this boxing student came up and just punched him when he wasn't prepared and ruptured his appendix, and that was the end. Um, so anyway, I'm I'm really having fun digging into a lot of this old, like, showbiz-oriented stuff here and funneling it into creepy Vegas. And tomorrow is going to be a fascinating day for you because I am going to be interviewing tomorrow on this program, if all goes according to schedule, Darren Evans, who is a leading demonologist who has been on Ghost Adventures and many other programs. People actually call him a zemonologist. And you'll learn more about this when I interview him because he is the guy who really has brought the demonic Zozo to the forefront. And I have, you know, I've hung out with Darren numerous times. We were actually on the Travel Channel together last Halloween night on the Ghost Adventures Live special. And Darren has been talking to me about producing an event here in the Las Vegas area. And so finally, we've made this happen. I'm going to produce an event for Darren here in the Las Vegas area. But don't worry, we're not going to be conjuring up demons or anything like that. It's related to his technique. But this is something that's so freaky and new and fresh and wild. I could tell you about it right now, but I'm going to wait until tomorrow. Because tomorrow, he's going to come on here. I'm going to interview him. I want you to learn more about who he is, what he does. And then we are going to tell you about this event that is going to be happening in July here outside of Las Vegas, hosted by Darren. I am producing this event. I may or may not be actually at the event because that is going to depend on my travel schedule with some of the TV programs that I'm, I'm working on. But even if I can't be there, I can say I'm producing this thing, I'm putting it together, and this is an opportunity for you to get together with Darren and do something you'll never forget. So you have that to look forward to tomorrow. It might be tomorrow night before I get, get it posted. Um, so we'll say within the next couple of days, you'll be hearing that, and that'll probably be the next podcast. But anyway, as usual, lots of stuff to do. So that is it for today's podcast. I want you to remember now, if you go to joshuapwarren.com, there's no period after the P at joshuapwarren.com. 
you'll find many, many interesting things that can really occupy your time for hours. I hope you'll go to the Curiosity Shop, and uh, we still have some wonderful items available there for you. It's a good way to increase your manifestation skills and support the work that my colleagues and I do. But while you're there at JoshuaPWarren.com, click the link to this podcast. It's called Joshua P. Warren Daily. Always short, always free, commercial-free, independent, uncensored. And if you click that link, you can subscribe through various means or just follow me on Twitter, at Joshua P. Warren, at Joshua P. Warren, and I will usually tweet when a new one is available. So, lots of cool stuff is on the way, my friends. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your interest and support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.